Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Creative Contact. I'm your host, Kia Orion. Thank you so much for tuning in. You could be anywhere in the world, but you're here with me. I appreciate that. Whether you're on audio, whether you're on video, we are currently in Vietnam, in Hanoi, in my apartment, but that has a lot of fresh construction out front. So if there are interruptions because of uh, buzz saws and drills and things of that nature, just Welcome to Southeast Asia. We building, baby. We out here, we building. One brick at a time, bitches. So, man, I've got so many gems to drop on y'all in this episode, um, but I still like to give you a little update on Kia and how I'm doing. I'll tie those into some of the gems because there's a lot interrelated, um, but I just wanted to give you guys a little update on how things are going for your boy. Uh, so these are my last few hours here in Hanoi, as I got about two hours before I head to the airport, and then bounce into Chiang Mai for the fall. Uh, super stoked. Mama Bear's going to hope hopefully come visit me in a few weeks. Um, I've got homies coming in, reuniting with the Avengers. I uh, just really miss that community element, and uh, stoked to reconnect with folks. I also feel like I had a very creative summer in Vietnam. Overall, had a blast out here, just creating, really my element. I feel so free to express myself out here, but right now... Um, I've been creating, I've been in this creative zone, also been, I've been working on this book, working on writing a book, um, but I think this is now the time to like start elevating the actual business side of it, and in Chiang Mai, that always helps me, because there are just so many folks that are absolutely crushing it out there, and just having those perspectives, you know who you are, who, if you drop gems on me, I appreciate that more than you know. And so I always like to be in Chiang Mai to kind of like build on that or test out ideas with the the business side of things. So, you know, the year kind of moves in stages and I feel like I had a really creative summer here. Now it's time to build it, grow it, maybe tr- experiment with some new business ideas, new gigs, stuff like that. Speaking of which, speaking of experimenting, um, I had an epiphany the other day that I'm like ready, the English the English gig, I'm ready to like possibly try something else in the sense of like, I'm looking for other part-time work. Um, it's just hard because the English is so convenient and it pays so well and it's pretty chill and fun, but I don't, I just not, I'm not meant to be an English teacher. So I just don't get a lot of fulfillment from the job. And it's, I don't, I feel like I don't, um, I'm not like learning a lot from it where if maybe there was like a writer position or something else where I could, Hey, there we go. I could put my skills to use, uh, and possibly build on them. Or if it was with the music, if it was something, maybe that's something I'm, I'm toying with that we'll dive into a little bit later down the line, uh, with the gems is possibly how can I get the, the music business element side a little bit more cracking to say the least. So that was a cool epiphany this week. Health is good, feeling good. Went to go see um, the second It. Saw It too. That was dope. Um, if you are curious about seeing it, the ending was a little sus, a little suspect, but um, thought that was fun. Not, I didn't like it as much as the first one, but it was still good. Good story. Some amazing actors in there. Um, and health. Uh, finish up the Muay Thai training. Been doing looking a lot into research, into fasting, things of that nature. And so some of the gems that I'll drop here in a minute from stuff I've been listening to and learning have to do with fasting. So uh, overall, things have been been going pretty well. Stoked for Chiang Mai to get back into it. But y'all aren't here to... Y'all aren't here 
to hear me spew about Kia shit. You're here for the gems. You feel me? So the first one I'm going to get into, uh, if you, first of all, if you don't listen to podcasts, what are you doing with your life? Uh, I feel like I've gotten my entire adult education from podcasts and just like, um, audio content in general, audio books, whatever. Um, seriously, it's a game changer. But the first one, uh, is from this guy named Noah Kagan. If you're into e-commerce at all, you know about him. He runs this website called AppSumo and they, they run these discount deals. He's just a dope dude. Um, and he has this podcast where I'll interview entrepreneurs and just business folks, things of that nature. The one this past week that I got a lot from, uh, was, if you're in the digital nomad community, then you probably know about this uh, group. Uh, it's called the membership group. It's called the Dynamite Circle. And it's pretty much for folks that are in the nomad community, but that also have their shit together. So there's like a bunch of nomads out there that like myself that are between probably zero and $5,000 every month. We're, we're making it work, but we aren't like Taken. We're, we're doing okay, um, but we're kind of like that beginner group. And then the dynamite circle is more like the intermediate advanced group. Normally you're making 10, 15, 20,000 a month from your online business. And so it's an exclusive group. You got to pay to get in, but it's just, it's for the movers and shakers and uh, just some really cool folks in there. And so Noah, the interview was with the founder of the dynamite circle, also the tropical MBA, if you've ever heard of it. And what was interesting about it, I'm sorry for this construction for real, but what was interesting about it was that it was pretty much um, Noah and his buddy were just um, talking about ideas for business. And the guy who runs the Dynamite Circle Tropical MBA was kind of pitching Noah. He, he's trying to get this new business off the ground. And it was like a coaching call that Noah was having with him. And I just got so much from it because you got to see how they worked through kind of their their business ideas and decisions. Both guys have have, have seven figure uh, businesses, and seeing how they kind of politic and and what their what their keys are, what their gems are. And my, one of my biggest takeaways from this was, um, and this is what I've been kind of reevaluating for my own life: is what can you do? What can you offer? One that you're, that you're excited about and want to do, but also that people are excited and want to pay you for. So it's less about like, what are people willing to pay you for and be like, yeah, I could do that. But like, what would people be like chomping at the bit to pay you for? Um, and so like, what kind of a service or product can you offer that is that is something that people like that really hits pain points that it's, it, you don't even have to sell it anymore, it, that it sells itself. It's at a point where it's something uh, that you have a unique enough angle on it that it's, it's, it, you were like, dude, this is something that I know would help you out. I like, you've got to have this for your business, your life or whatever, because it's going to take you to the next level rather than having something that's just kind of so-so. And that actually ties in with uh, a few of my other points. Um, the other, and so you just listen to that interview. I'm not even doing it justice, but it was thinking about instead of what do, what do, what could I sell? Thinking about like, what would people like be excited to pay me money for? And that, and also basics. It's funny because they get super complicated in the weeds and then Noah brings it back. He's like, dude, it's about basics, testing an idea. It's You should listen to it, how they kind of work through it. But like 
business isn't super complicated. We just make it more complicated than it needs to be. Keep it simple. Um, and obviously I'll link to all of these in the show notes. Another one that ties into that was this one I heard on personal branding on the social media marketing podcast. And it, this was kind of ties into that of what the world needs you to be and what you want to be. So you could be rich and famous for some shit, but if you aren't passionate about it, then you still feel empty, or you could be the best uh, basket maker in the world or the best you know, actor in the world, but if nobody knows about what you do, then it's it, the world isn't benefiting from your, your art or your talent or your work. So it's like, how do you marry those things? Um, excuse me, there's also um, a Japanese word for it called the ikigai, which is, I can't remember the four different quadrants or the four circles, but it's kind of this like, what does the world, what am I passionate about? What do I like to do? What does the world need? And I think there's one more. And it's like where all those four things intersect. It's like, that's the key thing. So I've been spending a lot of time just reflecting, thinking, writing about this of being like, where, what do I want? And what does the world need? What can I offer the world pretty much? And then how does that sort of take shape? Because you can run that business uh, so many different ways. And there's certain things that maybe you're, you're passionate about, but you don't want to teach like necessarily like fitness, right? I love fitness, but I don't want to be a trainer. Um, or even I did that before, tried that and I was like, ah, that just isn't for me or something else that you really, maybe you love painting, but it's like, you just like to paint on your own. You aren't trying to make a business out of it. So it's that like ikigai of like, what's that thing in the center that, that the world needs from you that you also are good at, that you also want to do that type of shit. And so on this personal brand, uh, whatever that word was, personal branding podcast, uh, he talks about some shit that I'm really into, which kind of ties into the Noah Kagan one, the first one, which is uh, different. Here are a couple takeaways. Different is better than better, meaning uh, if you can set yourself apart, it's a lot easier to crush than to try to compete. In a, even in a crowded space, there still is room for you as long as you can buckle down on what makes you different. And so they talk about uh, skill stacking. So maybe uh, there's this there's a position that's like a journalist at, um, I don't know, maybe it's a journalist position at the New York Times. And so in that case, there's like, it's a zero-sum game, meaning there's a winner and a loser. Someone else gets that position, you don't get that position. Whereas if you can set yourself apart in some way, like, Instead of just being like the ramen shop, maybe you're like the spicy ramen shop or whatever the fuck it is. Like whatever your thing is that you're passionate about, as humans, we're complicated, we're complex. How can you tie in your own version of that? So maybe it's, you know, the Joe Rogan podcast or WTF with Mark Marin, both huge podcasts, both stand-up comedians that are in podcasting, but like Joe Rogan's is more like MMA, like futurist health. Whereas Mark Maron's is more like art and politics. And so it's really about, it's less about trying to like vie for these positions where, where people can win or lose. And instead having leaning into what makes you different, whatever your unique vibe and aspect is that that is kind of your gem and you can create your own lane and it's a lot easier to compete in a lane where nobody else is there. 
that's my type of competition. Um, which is actually, I want to go off on this huge tangent about this, um, but I'm saving that for later. Uh, and just a couple other takeaways from that one. Um, who you seek to serve is often who you once were, which I liked that a lot. Um, who you seek to serve is often who you once were. So you might be passionate about baby food, but if you never had a baby, if you're not a parent, if you don't know shit about it, it can be a lot harder than uh, one example even for me right now is this book about, I'm writing this book on uh, creativity and how to like bust through creative plateaus and stay inspired and deal with your inner critic and shit, which I talked about last week. But um, this is something, it's because it, I'm scratching my own itch pretty much. It's a, it's a book that as I'm going through this process, I'm, there are these little th- gems and takeaways that I, that I feel like I've learned that I wish that I could have taught Kia four, five, six, seven years ago. And so I'm putting that together. And I know if you, if it's someone, if it's a previous version of yourself, you know the psychographics of that person incredibly well because they were you. So you know what their fears are. You know what their pain points are. You know what they want to be. You know what their dreams are. Like all the, because it's, it's tied so directly to you and your identity. So you can, if you run e-commerce or something, just kind of do something way out on that field. But if you're running some sort of a personal brand and you want to capitalize on a market and have a really big impact on that market, one potential is to market to kind of a previous version of yourself because you speak their language and you know who they are, you know what they want because it was you. And so that's, with this book, I'm kind of keeping that in mind often is either close friends or myself when I'm, I'm almost writing it to a past self. And it makes it a lot easier because I know my language that I can use and I just know what to talk about because it's all the shit that I've, that I've, you know, struggled up and I uh, struggled or kind of um, come up against in, in my past. So who you seek to serve is possibly who you used to be, who you once were. There's that. Uh, on the health side of things, if you don't know about this, if you're into health stuff and you don't know about her, you're tripping. Her name's Dr. Rhonda Patrick. Uh, she's this amazing professor and she talks about a lot about fasting, ketogenic diet. I'm not a keto dude. I, I eat just about everything under the sun, focus on fruits and vegetables, nuts, legumes, but I'm really into experimenting with fasting and learning about it and kind of the benefits and things of that nature. And so one thing, a couple health quick tips for you, um, to get the mood altering benefits of exercise, you actually only need 10 minutes of moderate movement. So if it's too low impact, so like a brisk walk doesn't count, but it doesn't have to be like kill yourself on the beach sprints. But if it's like maybe like a brisk walk with push-ups every time you come to a stop sign or every time you come to a uh, corner or something like that. Like it can be kind of a mix. It doesn't have to be much to get the mood that sort of uh, the mood um, uplifting effects of it. When after you work out, you're like, oh man, I feel good. It only takes 10 minutes. So that's kind of cool. And then also um, I'll post this in the show notes as well, but they talk about 
the kind of different modalities of fasting of like a 16, eight hour window, um, 24 hours, maybe once a week, or these more prolonged fasts every quarter or maybe twice a year, something like that. And the different benefits that those can have um, that often come from your like cellular regeneration, like it's called autophagy, I believe, which is like your old cells that are like dying and dead. Uh, your body is kind of just like killing those off and it's supposed to, but if you're constantly fed, it doesn't necessarily take place as efficiently as if you're fasting, then those, it, like you kill off old cells, regenerate new ones. Um, and that fasted training, if you train fasted, meaning in the mornings, because if you like to wake up and work out like me, uh, you know, you, you often wondering if it's a debt, maybe this is just me talking to myself. I often wonder if it's a detriment if I'm not eating before my workout, but it looks like um, any sort of moderate, relatively moderate to intense exercise between zero and 60 minutes doesn't have a detriment fasted. So it'll also kind of kick your body into this different uh, kind of like hyper aware state um, if you do train fasted, so there are some benefits to it, but if you're like an ultra marathon runner, you're like a swimmer, you're going to be swimming for a long time. Anything that's more in that, uh, triathlon and marathon range when you're training for like hours on end, it looks like after 45, 60 minutes, then there is some benefit to having some fuel before your training. But if it's anything like less than 60 minutes, you're pretty much Gucci. Something to think about if you're into training, if you're into fasted stuff in the show notes, amazing how stuff all about coffee, what, how to break a fast, all that stuff. I don't talk your ear off there because I'm not sure how many of you are into that, but really dope. Dr. Rhonda Patrick. Okay. The reason, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm saving this, this part to, of the podcast till the end is because bro, I got so much to talk to you guys about this. This interview was a game changer. Uh, if you know about uh, like the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours rule and like mastery, anything like that, or Angela Duckworth, her book Grit, which I really love. Um, there's a, a writer and journalist named David Epstein who wrote this book called The Sports Gene and then just dropped a book called Range. And so he's, he's kind of doing the podcast circuit right now. But his interview... I believe it was with Rich Roll. If you know Rich Roll, uh, awesome marathon runner, vegan dude, also Cornell grad. Shout out to Big Red. Um, Game-changing interview. And so this guy named David Epstein, he's a he's like a social psychologist, researcher, dude, and he just dropped his book called Range about being a generalist rather than a specialist. So we often reward special specialists in our culture, in American culture. These be people like Tiger Woods, like start golfing when they're three, or you hear about so-and-so that picked this up when they were five years old. And he makes the case for folks actually experimenting and kind of sampling and then leaning into different passions or projects they feel like they have an affinity for. So the way that he phrases it is it's less about grit, just having grit, but it's more about, he calls it this balance of like grit or quit, meaning being more aware and uh, I guess more um, self-aware about 
when to quit things and quitting things faster. So he's like, he's like, go all out into certain things, like give it a fair shot. But if it's not working, like not trying to like just grit your way through it and stick with it. If it's ends up not being something that you're super passionate about. So one, one example he talks about is like often kids that do get specialized early because their parents want them to be a prodigy and then quitting later in life or the thing becomes unfulfilling but then they end up having these kind of like rough patches later when they want to experiment with other things. And so uh, one example that he, he talks about is professional football players, where there's this one thing, you've done it your whole life, it's all you know, and then you're 26, 27, 28, whatever, you retire, and then you're like, uh, like what now, right? So it's like this difficult transition when your identity, your career, your passion are all wrapped up in one thing that you're a specialist in, you kind of got to restart a little bit later on in life. Can't get past it. So anyways, so much in this interview uh, that I want to talk to you about. So one of the things that he talks about is, especially with sports, he's like, don't specialize early on. Uh, he's like, ha- try a wide range of things and often having more uh, kind of diversity in your sports can transfer to more success in those sports later on if you do end up wanting to specialize. Love that idea. Love that takeaway. Um, experimenting young and kind of finding out what what you have an affinity for and also what your talents are. Another thing is that people grow and change so that you don't have to always be doing this one thing that we often do specialize as a way to leverage that career. So we get super specialized thinking that that will help us in the marketplace, which it does, but that it's in how much of that is due to leveraging that in a market and our actual self-actualization rather than being like, am I still passionate about this thing five, 10 years later? So this is a huge point that I've heard Seth Godin talk about. I'm just super passionate about it because maybe it's for me to self-soothe so I don't feel so bad about my poor business decisions. But this idea of ignoring sunk costs. So he he talks about the game of life, I talked about this earlier too, not being a zero-sum game, that it's not like you win or you lose it, that it's like this kind of constant, ever-changing thing. As We just like to compare ourselves to other people. So it feels like maybe if so-and-so is like five years already successful doing it, we feel like we're behind or something like that. Like we always feel like we're too late, I feel like, as humans. Um, and maybe that's just my own insecurity as a 28-year-old who's trying to be a rapper, but... Uh, I just, that, that element of you can always change, always adapt and that it isn't necessarily tied to, uh, one career path or trajectory that like you end up winning at the end. So I say that to say with the ignore sunk costs, meaning it's, it's less about how much you've all, the concept is it's less about how much you've already put into this thing. So say you're a lawyer, but you're you've been practicing law now five, 10 years or however long it is and you're unhappy, that it's really hard to want to make a switch because you think about how much did I, how much, how much time have I invested in school into learning this thing? And how much money have I invested in school learning this thing? It's, I know it in and out, my career, identity, passion, et cetera, was tied to it, but maybe isn't anymore. 
And so we think about all the time, effort, money we've invested into something already, and it kind of solidifies us into this silo that it's less about, but then it's when you think about it long-term of like, okay, so then you do that for maybe the rest of your career. Imagine what that's costing you monetarily, the the headspace, the emotional bandwidth to do something that you're not super passionate about rather than pivoting now and maybe even again, whatever. But if you pivot, that it's less about what used to work, what used to make you happy, what you've already done, and more about like, where you're at, what makes you happy now, what inspires you like today. And that those are things that can be fluid because it's not a race and there isn't some end point that we're all kind of chasing toward. So it's trying to, when you run these mental exercises, like thinking about present day, thinking about future, but even less about future because even with like this five, 10 year plan thing, it's like we, we grow and then change and our interests grow and change and passions grow and change. And so he talks about experimenting even later on in life for different things for him actually just finishing this book. He's had this super career, uh, successful career as a journalist researcher. And he talks about kind of the importance of still experimenting and learning, paying attention to what's working and paying attention to what's not and like chopping that off but that a lot of people are like, oh, I don't know what my passion is. And half the time, it's just about trying something and then kind of like throwing shit at the wall, tinkering with it, seeing what works and what doesn't. And then if you're paying attention, running with the things that are working. Um, And so I just really like that idea because I remember even my grandpa uh, shout out Grandpa Cork was was passing away uh, maybe five years ago now. Um, I could tell that the doctor, when the doctor came in, he was so apathetic. And it, it was just like, I get it, right? Because it's he's, he's, he's a surgeon. He does, it's every day for him. But I think I felt that as, I'm not even the patient. I was just part of the patient's family. And I felt this disconnect that it it was just very apparent that I don't think you can tell when someone is some of my homies are doctors and they're some of like the people that have the biggest hearts, most passionate people that I know. And there's just a difference. You can tell when somebody cares or not. And just that feeling, I didn't want him to like bring us rose. I just wanted to feel cared about. And so that's just one weird example, but uh, you can, I think, even and hey, this is myself even right now with with my with the English classes I was telling you about at the beginning of the podcast. Whether it's money or the comfort, or because it's what we get into this little hammock of like what we're used to, so we don't venture too far out of it. We kind of get we just get so comfortable and complacent that it's hard for us to want to branch out. But the key to that entire spiel is trying stuff, and if you want something to change. You have to start putting into place actions that make a change happen. This isn't the secret. You can't just like manifest that things are going to be different if every day you're still falling back into the same grooves and routines and patterns that you were before, right? You kind of got to make some changes to start moving that needle in another direction. So I loved, there's so much more to this podcast that you have to check out, um, about experimenting, um, 
finding passions, quitting and fulfilling ones, uh, the not a zero sum game. And one of the examples that I love that he brought up was uh, the idea of Vincent Van Gogh, who we all know now as one of the most famous influential painters of all time, but who in he was he didn't do a he started his art self-taught first of all which is cool and then he was like an art dealer he was a missionary he did like all these different types of jobs and then eventually settled on trying to do his art he was supported financially by his brother most of his life i rumor has it he only sold one of his paintings um while he was alive and that he was kicked out of art school or that he was like the worst in his class when he wasn't taking this like art class. So, uh, and then now his, his paintings, I was looking it up are worth over. Um, he has like out of the most famous paintings of all time, he holds this position for nine of them. And just those nine are close to a billion dollars, which he took, he committed suicide when he was like 37. Uh, and so if he would have stuck around a little bit longer, Probably would have re- probably wasn't worth a billy back then. Probably took some more time for shit to catch on. But uh, if you if you, I think that that's the grit or quit thing. If you quit too early, you might not see the fruits of your labor. But just being able to uh, have time to experiment, I think, is really important. So don't necessarily quit everything super early. But if you realize it's not working, you don't have to force shit. People grow. People change. Ignore sunk costs. It's not about what you've already put into it. It's about uh, where can, what would it cost you not to make the switch, right? Imagine the happiness, time, money, resources, et cetera, that it costs. It's not about can you afford to make it. It's can you afford not to make it. That's some Kia fake deep shit for you right there. So that's the podcast for today. A couple takeaways, business. Keep it simple. What would people be super stoked to actually pay you for? What do you actually want to do? Uh, You can still be in a competitive space as long as you make your own lane. Be different. What is your ikigai? What does the world need? What what do they want from you? What do you want to do? Um, It's always, it's being different is better than better. Being different is better than better. And... um, to the person that you seek to serve is often a previous version of yourself. Fasting, won't go into it here, but check this shit out below. And then so much in this Epstein interview about finding your passion, um, experimentation, all that sort of stuff. Ama- that was just like a life-changing interview. So thank you for tuning in. As always, uh, more more soon come. Stoked to hopefully come to you from the rooftop next episode. Can't promise I'm topless, but uh, we'll see what happens. So thanks again for tuning in, being my therapist for the week. Uh, dream big, work hard, eat your vegetables, check is in the mail. All right, deuces.